Hello and welcome to Enter the Asylum, a podcast where two brothers try to watch every single sign film ever produced. We're your host, Benjamin. And John. How was your week, John? Oh, you know, the same. I just rocked. Uh, I went to see Isle of Dogs last night. That was absolutely oh, fantastic. Oh, that was fantastic. Uh, I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan, and um, I just adored the movie. Um, uh, something I liked about it is there's a real like grit and uh, uh, realism to how the dogs are portrayed. Uh, something which, I mean, I would expect out of Wes Anderson, but it's so often an animated film involving animals. They sort of... Uh, you know, try to uh, suggest animalistic characteristics, but they never go, you know, all the way. Uh, this one, they, they really go all the way. There's actual, like, there's actually, like, some blood at parts, um, and uh, and there's, like, moments for, like, oh, that character, that's dead. He's dead. That's, so, um, so, yeah, there was a real, like, you know, grit to it, but at the same time, it still has that Wes Anderson charm it's the same animation style as fantastic mr fox um and yeah i just loved the hell out of it mm. what about you well i watched cars 3 oh um which mm. had problems really really yeah um, <laughs> we have some problems the, the, with the cars franchise the anti-millennial message is super <laughs> and obvious it's weird because the McElroy do... brothers were right. It it, it does have a, an anti-millennial message. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm trying to explain this. Um, so the premise of the story is Lime McQueen likes to race and stuff, and the new hot race cars are coming in, uh, which are like 20-year-olds or whatever, and Lime McQueen can't win any of the races anymore, and he gets, you know, super bum-hurt about it and <laughs> gets basically uh, so pumped up he injures himself and he has to start over from the very beginning and I think that's one of my main problems with the film itself is that Light McQueen's extremely selfish in this film he's kind of selfish in all of the movies except this one he has well not, actually to be really fair I have not reason. seen Cars 2 um, <laughs> Cars 2 I, I, actually, in fact, the story, only one I've actually, seen but... is the first Cars movie uh, but if he's selfish in this movie it doesn't really seem like he was made a better person by settling to Radiator Springs. All right. So, okay. So, Light McQueen basically tries real hard and wins, even though it's weird because it's very anti-new generation. So, they're like, no, the new people are coming in. You can't let the new people take over. The old people have to be at the top at all times forever. Um, and then they get the uh, new character the uh her her his trainer who he eventually trains and she eventually wins the race so she becomes the um lightning mcqueen uh uh protege i guess yeah she's like respects her elders or whatever <sighs> i don't know yeah, yeah. To be fair, respect your elders is one of the main uh, morals of the first Cars movie, so I guess it makes sense that that would transition over to this one. Um, Except Lime McQueen as a character is not particularly respectful to anyone else in the film. Ugh. So it's a respect your elders no matter what. Basically, yeah, yeah. The new, the, you know, he's sort of a boomer generation kind of thing. He's like mad the millennials are sort of, you know, moving in. We can't have this. We gotta get rid of all of that. Yeah, Cars is a weirdly like has a weirdly dated aesthetic for like even when it came out. Like the the first Cars movie, uh, as far as I'm concerned, has like three primary morals. The first is respect your elders. Uh, the second is uh, espousing the virtues of small town America. 
um, you know, all that, like, you know, stop living in the fast lane, you know, and get out and smell the roses, you know, uh, 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 you know, get away from the dirty city, uh, all that stuff. But, and, and then the these, third these message I take away from the first Cars movie is if you're in a small town that is uh, struggling economically, the only thing that will save it is some uh, city slicker uh, asshole uh, dis- falling in love with your town and moving in and thus putting it on the map. Another um, thing I wanted to mention about Cars 3 is this sort of bizarre meta narrative. Where Light McQueen um, discovers he's just becoming a brand now. He's no longer the race car. He's now the brand product. What could that possibly yeah, be? Yeah, right. So the writers are clearly like, you know, anxious that their work on the movie. I used to do great things. I used to do great things. I used to win races. I made Finding Nemo and Wally. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm, I mean, I yeah, mean, the writers races, are clearly races. going through some sort of midlife crisis themselves where. They think that they won't be remembered for their movies of the car franchise. They'll be remembered as the toy product. And clearly the movie's like trying to say, no, nah, these movies are great. We'll be remembered for sure. I think Disney uh, rated Pixar of all their best minds. Because uh, John Lasseter, I'm sorry, I, he was never one mm. of their best minds. And he actually, he became uh, the head of the both the Disney Animation Studio and uh, Pixar, I think. Um, but like, but all the like the lower level uh, people, all the people who actually were like working, like the, the the unsung heroes who really made films like Finding Nemo and Wall-E and Up, like really rook. Um, they all, I, I I feel like by this point they've all gone to Disney. They're all they're all making all of Disney's movies now, um, which have become great. While Pixar has just become a sequel factory, um, and Disney's content to just be like, yeah, so you just you just remake, uh, you know, your your earlier hits, and uh, that's that's your role now. You're you're gonna do that, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna make the good stuff but now. Guys, what about Incredibles two? Aren't you excited for Incredibles 2? You know, I, I any hope I, I had that Pixar could still make a good sequel was dashed by finding Dory. Oh. Uh, because I because I, I should have known better, but I, I, I put some faith in that movie. I was like, okay, well, you know what? Um, this this one this one could work. I, I Finding Nemo is probably my favorite Pixar movie, um, which should have been reason enough, and it ends perfectly which is why i should have just and when i heard they were doing a sequel i was like oh god no 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 if there's any movie that should not have a sequel it's it's finding nemo but i had heard good things about finding dory so i went okay i'll try it maybe it'll rook and it didn't it didn't rook it was terrible well, it was a terrible, yeah. but but it was, it, it was incredibly mediocre. And it's really it, boring, honestly. It's really boring, and the most insulting thing was, to me anyway, was that the writers of the movie, basically the way Finding Dory was written, was just, let's try and come up with a reason for every single one of Dory's uh, oddball traits. So, like, she could talk to whales. Oh, well, let's explain how she could talk to whales. Uh, you know, she... Uh, I'm trying to think of another example, but that's 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 a big one. Uh, but basically, like it's just like connect the dots, come up with all the weird things. It's like you know what, Dory didn't need an origin story. I'm sorry, she didn't. Right, the movie was like clearly it was written. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like it was okay, clearly okay. written 
in just just trying to answer these questions they made in the first film. Fighting Dory single-handedly <laughs> ruined the whale, the the talking to whales joke in Finding Nemo. Fight, in, in Finding Nemo, the the talking to whales joke is that like she she starts going. We looky for his and and uh, and uh, I was to say Marlin is like what 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 are you doing? That's that's not you're not talking whale and stuff. And so the the joke then becomes later on that it turns out the whale understood her, and so she actually was talking whale. Um, but that's but that's the joke. So if you take that back and you go, oh no, there was actually she grew up in an aquarium with a whale and learned how to speak well well it it ruins that joke um uh no it's it's terrible uh i i really didn't like it uh finding nemo is a movie about i don't know a journey about finding someone but finding dory is a journey about finding yourself see what they did there No, it's I I really I I really couldn't. Normally, when I go see even when I go see a mediocre film in a movie theater, I walk up being like, "Oh, that was great," and then like you know a little bit later, I'm like, "Oh wait, no." Like when the novelty of the movie going experience like you know wears off, I'm like, "Oh no, that wasn't actually as great." But Finding Dory is an exception to that. Finding Dory is a movie that came out of the movie theater, and I was like, "Nah." Um, and then yeah. it continued. But uh, back to cars. Uh, so anyway, um, oh, is it a uh, 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 what's his name? The actor who played Doc in the first cars. Isn't he dead? Did he died. Yeah, that? he they he's he's dead in this film. He just died. Okay, so they did address that. Okay. They address it and sort of. He he's just dead. They don't really explain how he died or anything. He's just because he's, he's the elder that you're supposed to respect in the first movie. Um, which is kind of another like weird message to me is that it has a respect your elders message, but it's respect your elders if they turn out to be a legendary uh, <laughs> hero uh, who just happens to like you know be su- have been super famous in the field that you are in. Uh, that's the only reason really to respect your elders. The only thing I wanted to complain about is this film was desperate for a villain. Absolutely, it's the super obvious. I thought the millennial much... was the was the villain. Well, not only that is that there's the good millennial car who is the uh, oh, right. trainer, um, and the she protégé. wants to race at the end because Lime Queen's trying to get her to race in in his place. But then the her but the person she works for who is currently Lime Queen's sponsor doesn't want to do this. Basically, and they have this thing where he's like, you have to go back to the office and continue working your slave life, basically. Girl. Yeah, that's basically what they did, and it came out of nowhere because the, the character previously was understandable, like an understanding character who's trying to like get Lime McQueen to basically work hard instead of lazing around all the time. Mm-hmm. So this betrayal comes out basically off left field for no reason. So she doesn't want to race. No, she wants to race, but her okay. boss doesn't want her to. Okay. But they don't give any reason beforehand why the Boston one to. He just sort of says it out of nowhere. He kind of comes out of nowhere as well. Wait, does she work for like the the race car company uh, or, or or yeah, league or whatever it is? It's so how race... why would how would they even let her race then? Uh, I think because line. I think there's some rule that the, at the race car place or whatever that you can you're allowed to opt out and bring a sponsor or not sponsor but a nothing in the rule book that says the dog can't race (laughs) yeah basically oh boy um it's 
and then so Lima Queen technically loses the race because he quits. Um, but they still basically say Lima Queen won, and so the deal doesn't happen. Lima Queen is not a brand deal anymore, and he's his own race car driver for at least another year. That's uh, that's the problem with the film too is that Lima Queen is desperately trying to hold on to this sort of dream of his. Even though okay. his dream has ended and died, and he's already had like his he... dream, he's already had his moment, and his kind of yeah. his, his adventures already happened, and he wants to continue having that adventure, and he succeeds in having that adventure again and again and again. This is the dilemma of all sports stars, I feel like, and this is basically the the central thrust of maybe like half of a, a sports movies is the aging athlete. Uh, you know, you were at your prime. But at some point, the, bo- the body will decay, and you will no longer be able to compete the way you have. And that's just the reality. And, and so many sports narratives are just coming to terms with that reality. But from what you're telling me, it sounds like they had a sort of like, he gets to have his cake and eat it too by, yeah. by quitting, but also winning yeah, yeah. through this prodigy. <laughs> it's, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... They're they're they they're trying to tell a message that you know eventually one day your you know your legendary status will eventually fade and you'll have to sort of accept that and move on. But then the show then at the end <laughs> at the end of that, at the end of the film they say no you can keep doing what you love forever. <laughs> Pixar. <laughs> um, we will make great things again. So you know Pixar as soon I, as Pixar we're has changed too. a lot over the time but you know who hasn't changed at all the uh, asylum who? oh good old the asylum <laughs> they've never, never changed, changed. Um, never change and this film <laughs> we today we watched killers 2 uh it hasn't changed you know the format at all um you know you know actually it's really fitting that we're talking about pixar because the asylum and pixar have something in common do, they know? do you know what that is their third movie is a sequel to their first movie. Oh. Wait, what? Toy Story 2 was Pixar's third movie. All right. And this is The Asylum's third movie, Killers 2, ah. which is a sequel to their first movie. Interesting. That's a nice little catch, I guess. All right. So uh, I guess we can get into the film now. Um, Killers 2, The Beast. The Beast. Which, by the way, I, I I didn't realize the number of the beast was two. That's interesting. Is it now? Isn't it six six six? No, it's it, it we're it's 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 two now because okay. killers two the beast. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I'm laying down this like gold material, and you're not picking it up. Um. So the film basically starts off with a series of montages from the previous film. Yes. Um, Heather I, is I feel the like, only a, like a good person. quarter of this movie is flashbacks to the first movie. Mm, basically. At least these flashbacks make more sense than the flashbacks of True. the previous film, though. Uh, so Heather basically wakes up from a presumed coma. She's been out for like something three like weeks that. or something like that. And uh, she basically climbs out of bed, a nurse freaks out, and she goes calls for the doctor, um, whose name is Dr. Miller. And he tells that she is in Mount Helicon's psychiatric hospital. And she's basically in there due to some incident that happened after the events of Killers 1. Which doesn't get revealed until way later. Yeah. Everyone is super awful to her uh, for some reason. Except except for Dr. Miller. 
he's an angel. He's oblivious to what's going he's on so, around he's him. Such an idiot. He's he's very incredibly oblivious. Uh, but um, he he is the only sane character in this movie. Doctor Miller then reveals that Ray died after the events of Killers One on an operating table. Um, right. Heather doesn't take this well at all. Uh, and starts to freak out basically and starts shaking the bed and they sedate her yeah there's this thing where like her every once in a while her like when, when she gets really pissed off or scared or whatever her eyes like dilate and then she gains like super strength well and she goes into like rampage mode they de-dilate i guess what's the term when your eyes enlarge is it still dilate or oh i thought that was dilate isn't dilate when your eyes decrease or I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. It's when you're uh, uh, what her pupils are enlarging is what I'm trying to say. Right. Um, later, she she wakes up again, and this is a this is a running event in the film. Is she gets knocked out and then she wakes up in another room. This happens yep. a lot. She gets drugged or knocked out or what have you, and she wakes up uh, back in her bed. Mm. Uh, she wakes up in like a. Uh, I don't know, hangout room or whatever. Um, oh, the wheelchair. Yeah, the wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, uh, she's based around by a group of girls who are all. It's like it's, a, it's the common hospital. room. It, yeah, the hot. The yeah, it's, room. It, it's the common room where like all the other patients uh, get to hang out. Um, and by the way, I I feel like none of these patients should, uh, with, with a couple of exceptions, none of these patients should be allowed to have contact with the others because mm. a bunch of them are like violent uh and they they so much so much goes wrong in this movie like like things keep breaking down so easily that i have to wonder how this place is still running and why they haven't just locked everyone up all the time well i mean david cage i'm pretty sure wrote um all of the scenes so it's a very sensitive portrayal of a mental institution. Definitely no stereotypes uh, or... Definitely no stereotypes at all. It's very smartly written um, and But the scene in the common room, this is, this, is, uh, th- this is where we, we got back to my favorite thing from this movie. Uh, Ashley from The Source slash The, slash the Surge uh, returns as uh, one of the uh, mental patients, as uh, Emma... Uh, who is the most um, calm, I suppose, uh, of the patients there. She just, she smokes and she, um, she's depressive. Yeah, she's in there she's because tried, she tried to commit suicide, basically. Um, she's tried to commit suicide a whole times. bunch of yeah, times, yeah. Numer- numerous times. Uh, but yeah, she's the most like laid back uh, of everyone in, and that includes the, the, the nurses and the people running the place. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it, it was so immediately recognizable to me as Ashley. So I like to imagine that after the events of the source, uh, because as we saw oh, in the end of that movie, yes, Ashley gets totally committed. the same character. And so yeah, it's the same character. She like she brainwashed some uh, uh, some orderlies or nurse or whatever to that her name was Emma. She she escaped. But uh, she fell into, you know, deep, deep depression. Uh, and so she's just living out the rest of her days in this, in this mental yeah, Presumably situation. her life was, I imagine, ruined, I suppose, after the events. Of I, the surge. I would imagine. Source. Same with same with Heather. Actually, by the way, this that that ending monologue at the first at the first uh, killers that we 
uh, mocked where she goes, uh, you know, that day was the day I died. Um, this movie actually, that, that, that line makes a lot more sense in the context of this movie. Mm. Her life really did end. Uh, I don't think they meant it like that, but... I don't know if they did, but it works retroactively, so I'm going to go with it. Uh, Emma tells Heather that she's been nicknamed The Beast due to some horrifying event that happened earlier right. uh, when she was based, presumably... In a comatose state. Uh, and there's a couple of nurses yeah, yeah. who are. Heather, yeah, she absolute... gives a rundown of all the uh, people around her. I Heather. mean, it's there's not a lot to say, but yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, uh, talk about Violet, who has ASPD and is basically on lockdown at all times. Oh right, I forgot about yeah, her. Yeah, she's someone does, important. Does she ever do anything? Yeah, yeah, no, she does stuff. Um, she's important in a later scene. Uh, there's Jim, oh, okay. who's a college boy who works in the facility and basically gets off at hurting all the patients. He's basically in charge of you know being an awful person um that's his job and he seems to have some sort of connection to the um whatever the criminal syndicate cartel thing a vague enterprise uh that the killers in the first movie are associated Interesting with enough, right um they actually have some newspapers that fly back fly by in the beginning of the scene that oh yeah tell you uh, it was a drug lord who was basically doing it all not a mob boss right just some drug yeah, lord drug but lord. but a drug lord who was you know like uh, who could afford like assassins and and whatnot and then there was gary he's gary uh jim's crony basically who just does whatever he says and then they scotty who is played by the same guy who plays reese in yeah uh, the source um he, he basically sells uh stolen medication from other patients Scotty's big thing is that yeah he'll he'll give meds to the patients if they give him a hand job, mm. and that's it. That's his. That's the entirety of his character. Awful, just awful. The worst. Reese de- Reese deserved a lot better. Uh, so it, yeah, how now, did Reese okay, wind is this up? The in same this? Did, did, Should we go? Okay, so is this the uh, okay, okay? Is this the Asylum Extended Universe? Is this where is this where we began it? If it's the same Ashley, then maybe Ashley had a later battle with Reese um, and brainwashed him into thinking he was an orderly. Oh, actually, so I was that... thinking something more like Scott uh, Reese is undercover, wa- keeping watch on Ashley. Ooh, okay. Basically, make sure she doesn't do anything. So he's basically undercover Scotty, and Ashley doesn't realize. And he this. just grew- and he just grew up into a huge prick. Yeah, <laughs> he's already a prick. Okay. Come on now. Uh, but not that. Uh, not on this level. He got he he got he got drugged out. You know, he got addicted to all of the medication, I assume, at the hospital. You, can, uh, you know, I mean, he's still dealing with the trauma of his mother's death. And, and the trauma of the surge uh, that's the source as well. Uh, exactly. The trauma of the events of that. So, um, I don't know. He gets yeah. addicted and to... He's probably, had, he's probably had later battles with Ashley. Uh, so uh, it's, it's probably been a big back and forth between the two of them. I like this. This is way more interesting than the plot of the actual movie. <laughs> Well, you, you kind of have to build on it, I think. It's one of those sort of films. Again, not a lot of meat on these bones. Yeah, she meets Miller again, who then she demands to be let out and that she's going to call her parents and say she sued the whole place. If uh, they don't, she doesn't let, let out, Miller doesn't care and drugs her again, you know, for the third time now, second time. Uh, it hap- I, I lost count. It happens so many times. Basically, every scene in this movie starts with her waking up, something happening her trying to escape or what have you getting caught getting drugged start over later that night she then wakes up uh, and she runs into scott or i guess meets up with scott i don't know scott's walking by uh, and she tries to buy meth from him it's not meth it's it's um she it's she, crystal meth. she asked no no she, she asked for crystal and he goes no no it's got to be pharmaceuticals but i can give yeah. you these 
Which is, you know, a, a sort of alternative. Right, it's basically. alternative, and he's like, it's just as good. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, Scott's a massive super creep uh, in this scene. What Heather proceeds to start, I don't know, jerking off Scott, basically, uh, but tricks him into releasing her, basically, bindings, and she whacks him in the head. I have to imagine this happens all the time to him, if he's that easily Oh, it's funny. <laughs> well, actually, I want to say this, because he, he, uh, she hits her once, he says, oh, very funny, in the super casual way, I'm going to say. And then he just hits him again. And then he hits it again, he gets knocked out. Uh, she escapes, but unfortunately, she's also high from the drug she just took. Starts basically hallucinating everywhere. Um, while this is happening, uh, she's basically hallucinating the events of Killers 1. And she herself is telling her killers are out to get her. Yeah, yeah, she keeps having this vision of her all, like, bloody, basically her from the fir- from the end of the first movie, uh, saying, the killers are coming. A bunch of spooky JPEGs are trying to scare her. That's actually kind of an ironic yeah. thing about this movie, is that the first killers had a weird supernatural element, which it didn't need, um, but, like, it, it was full, the, the Tarantino-esque uh, killers <laughs> uh, was, like, y- you, you weren't really entirely sure what was happening and what was supposed to be real or not. In this movie, the one set in the insane asylum, where you would think, oh, okay, this is an opportunity to really play with people's expectations and really uh, have the character start question, you know, whether what they're seeing is real or not. Um, everything's laid out very straightforwardly. Like, what you see is what is happening. That is, what's going on. Uh, she basically manages to walk in on Jim and Gary, who have a conversation about, trying to, about being hired to murder uh, Heather. For ten grand, which is a small—it's so tiny. It's such a dinky and amount of money. And Jim claims he like, killed his mom for that kind of change. Kill, he says, "Yeah, I'd kill my mom for that kind of change." It's like it's ten grand. Like, 10, ten grand is nothing. You, you work as you work as like an orderly in a mental institution. You must make like at least like you know like like triple that a year. Come on. Yeah, they're both hired by a, a person named Mister Braces or whatever who has braces, presumably. Um, we'll get back to that later, at near the end of the film. Uh, she then gets captured again, and then she gets stomach-pumped. Uh, in a pretty disgusting scene, I'd say. Yeah, it's... Uh, that scene made me gag. It's visceral. It's not great. I guess it's good acting there, I suppose. Uh, she wakes once again <laughs> to Dr. Miller, who tells her uh, she was stomach-pumped uh, because her meth tolerance she's built up has been lost due to being basically out of it for six weeks mm-hmm. uh jim and gary take heather to the showers and tase her uh, sexually harass her a bunch it's again a continuation of kind of awful treatment it's really uncomfortable uh in the shower she gets then attacked by violet and this is when violet basically comes in oh yeah. right okay this is the one time where violet returns i think she pops in at the end of the thing at the end of the film too but we'll get to that uh so it turns to be a trap uh Violet attacks heather um they fight a bunch heather wins uh pretty easily which i guess makes sense because she's attacking a you know she's the beast yeah uh jim and gary are both extremely disappointed by this outcome events and um she they she gets knocked out again i guess or whatever this happens again. Yep. Uh, they, Heather then has a plan, basically, to go call her dad, um, but mm-hmm. she needs to get a phone to do that. So she, her plan is to break into Dr. Miller's office. Emma helps out by locking the door, 
uh, of the nurse with the uh, with the yeah the supervisor of the the common room in the next room, and then starting yeah. to fight. I love the guard in the background does not care that any of this is happening. Oh, I missed yeah, that. Yeah, a guard in the back who's reading a newspaper, and he sees just sort of, you know, scuttles out of the way of the fight, where he just continues reading his newspaper. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so I missed it's, that. It's kind of awesome. Oh, hero. Uh, she successfully um, breaks into Dr. Trump's office and calls her parents, and there's a big plot twist. Uh, her parents are actually the one who took her to the asylum. Oh, no. She's actually crazy. Yeah. Which, like, I was sort of, like, feeling my way towards because, like, especially compared to, like, Dr. Miller, like, you know, like, he he has, there's a bunch of scenes where, like, he's asking her questions about, like, what's your name, what happened, and her response is just, like, fuck you, fuck you, which is supposed to sound, like, you know, tough and, like, you know, uh, uh, badass, I suppose, but it's just, like, in the context, it's like, no, 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 you're in, you, you, you should not be taking this so lightly, yeah, you're she, in an insane she asylum. She doesn't do a good job of not appearing crazy, basically. Because she actually is oh. crazy. She and. <laughs> At the same time, she's, I guess she's, I don't know. Uh, it's a mess, really. But She's got some PTSD, but also, I mean, she does seem to be... Oh, like, she has more than PTSD, danger. John. We'll find out more about what she actually has. <laughs> All right, so Gary finds finds her basically calling and attacks her again. Uh, there's a chase scene where Gary chases Heather around. Gary eventually gets better her and knocks her out. And she's basically on the ground. And then I love Gary's acting is so awful. <laughs> In the scene, he starts screaming for Jim to basically help him out, and he's great. He's like, "Where the fuck is Jim?" <laughs> this is the one, right? This is the one where they're in a, um, they're in like an operating yeah. room, I think. Um, and he uh, tries to stab over Neil and fails. Um, when he starts screaming, they have a scene where he has a scene where um, Heather looks at him, and then it cuts to speed from Killers One being tortured. I guess it implies that uh, Jim reminds Heather of Speed in some fashion. Yeah, she wasn't even present for that <laughs> scene in the first movie. How would she even know? I didn't even think of that. Yeah, um, Heather very easily kills him with a surgical saw that's just lying on the ground for no reason. It's just lying there on the floor. Yeah, there isn't even in. like a moment where they like. There, there isn't even a moment where they like. Oh, you're right. It's plugged in too. Uh, there isn't even a moment where they like knock over like a bunch of like surgical well, tools on the or anything. It's, it's, it's just, just the there. Floor. And she uses to then kill um, uh, Jim. Yes. Uh, she wakes up again in a straitjacket now, and Doctor Miller takes her into questioning, but it's basically torture, really. Uh, during the scene, Heather's eyes start to enlarge, and she gets her magical powers, basically, where she gains six super strength. And she starts smashing her head against the glass, which eventually, presumably, knocks her out. She just goes like, thung, thung. Just like beating her forehead against the glass. Yeah, this is the scene where she's just saying <laughs> hey, fuck I... you to uh, Dr. Miller, where anytime he asks a question. There's like two of these scenes. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it's not really helping her case. Heather sent again back to her cell. Um, at this point, um, she's basically kind of wandering around trying to figure out a way to escape the cell. Um, progressively going crazy, I guess, in this her confinement. Um, later, Dr. Miller comes in trying to give her meds and she chokes her out. This makes a lot of questions. First of all, why is Dr. Miller the one doing this? Oh, 
Okay, okay. Not only that, she's able to so easily get a hold of him, like like get him under uh, her her arm uh, that he can like like choke him, and then she like wrestles her way out of the straitjacket. It's it's just like okay, the whole point of the straitjacket is to well, stop that from happening. You're not supposed to be you're not supposed to be able to move your arms enough to be able to like wrap them around someone. I, she presumably dislocates them beforehand. In a scene we never saw. Well, uh, afterwards, okay, so Dr. Miller walks up to Heather and tries to inject her something. I'm not sure why he's the one doing this again. It should be Gary or Scott or someone. Not Dr. Miller. Um, he cares about his patients. Yeah, she somehow chokes him out <laughs> super easily. He just sort of accepts it. So easily. And then she smashes her arm against the wall, which I think dislocates it, and then she escapes the straitjacket. No, she just... just- no, she just kind of like like bumps it like like she just sort of like squirms her way out of the straitjacket. Like it well, isn't li- like. Why well, I assume impressive. she dislocate dislocates because they mentioned Violet doing the same thing in her straitjacket at the very beginning of the film. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, yeah. So assuming that's what they're doing here, which is sort of I don't know. Heather learns from that. But we don't see it at all or anything. It, it just looks like she's just squirming out of the straitjacket. It's just like you know she gets it off. It's just like the fuck. Uh, while she's escaping, she runs into Emma, who's in an oper- operating room being electrocuted, presumably electroshock therapy, which she proceeds to watch for like two minutes or so and instead of the, leaving. And she like puts her hand on the glass and watches it. She's in like full view of all the doctors in that room who somehow don't see her. Uh, she once again runs into Scott and Jim, who chase her and stuff again for the tenth time now. Uh, Scott tries to uh, inject poison into Heather. Um, oh like a, God! Yes, a collection of random, I don't know, magic medication that's apparently going to be extremely painful. Uh, with a little bit of rat poison, they they say uh, mixed in. Um, but but yes. he fucks up and gets stabbed instead. Which I knew was going to happen. I knew yeah, yeah. it was going to happen. Everyone is garbage at their job. Everyone who picks up a weapon uh, and takes it uh, uh, against Heather just winds up getting that weapon used against them by Heather. Yeah. That's basically uh, how every fight scene in this movie goes. Jim successfully tranks Heather, and then she wakes up in a straitjacket, which is confusing because you assume Jim would kill her at that point. Yeah. Because... <laughs> there were so he... many like normal opportunities for the nurses to kill, to kill her. Um, yeah. At this point, Dr. Miller reveals what happened to Heather the night she was brought in. Uh, the guards that took in, she simply, I don't know, beat up like six guards. There, There's a video of her beating up a guard outside the warehouse yeah, yeah. in the first movie. <laughs> I, so, I want to like, see that. Immediately, she went nuts. I want to see, I want to see, I want I want that to be in the first film. The film doesn't end the monologue, it ends up her beating up all the police officers there. I mean, really, that scene had to happen, like, immediately after the monologue ended. <laughs> um, the doctor tells her she has a disorder called Hunter's Craze, which doesn't exist, by the way. Uh, where hey, whenever she feels threatened, she thinks killers are out to get her. And this he tries to basically tell Heather that no one was out to attack her, and this is all in her head the whole time. 
Except for that one part where, you know, you were uh, in a building where a bunch of people died, you know, where the drug lords had the killers. That part, that part you had real killers, but, yeah. That was real. The Hunter's Craze was because of that, I assume, was the Doctor's trying to stay. But the funny thing is, the way he says that is, there were never any killers. It's like, yeah, except in the first movie, the the whole <laughs> thing that started this, like, there were killers then. Uh, Heather says that. believes him, and she realizes that she never was attacked and she actually is crazy the whole time um and then the film sort of ends with her basically getting taken care of and uh she eventually lives on with her life it's um, a surprisingly no, uplifting for yeah no 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 she gets attacked again immediately yeah, after of course, of course um they so she's going she's basically going for a, like a, i don't know she wakes up in an operate table again forever these these two mysterious people who they've not mentioned before two yeah previously unseen nurses um surprise, surprise like, they try to kill her again they're like and they're they're acting all goofy they're acting all like like they take like swigs from like you know like a bottle and they're like you know it's like oh, we're gonna kill you now <laughs> and they so get the awful. tape record it's 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 just really it's so over the top it's really over the top and it's really um it doesn't fit the tone at all uh you know she's she's sort of having to like oh my god it's it is real they they are trying to kill me ah and these just two just like clowns yeah. <laughs> are just like be just being like uh uh, uh condition like uh uh you know cause of death to be determined <laughs> uh, this, so uh she escapes again uh, and kills both of them. By the way, Wasso, why would you say that into the recorder? Like, why yeah, would you it's, leave it's... evidence? <laughs> I think every every nurse is in on it, though, presumably. It seems like. It. The only person who isn't on it is Dr. Miller. Yeah, he's super oblivious to the little thing. Uh, everyone's garbage at murder. Uh, so after the failed attempt the here... Killers. After the failed attempt here, the drug lord brings in the goons. Yes, uh, finally... Uh, five more uh, suited killers, just like in the the first movie, uh, show up, including Brace's man, who is the sort of lead dude. Who I um, I had completely forgotten that comment about the Brace's guy yeah. by the nurse, and so when he started talking, I was like, does he have gum in his mouth or something? What the fuck? <laughs> and and then I and then it's I was kind like, of a oh, neat character design, I guess. It's sort of a character gimmick that is kind of alright. It's 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 two lines basically. It's it's the one where the nurse is, is talking about him. It's him coming finally. And um, by the way, we are we are so close to the end here because this is a movie that's barely mm-hmm. over seventy five minutes long. Yeah, and the killers finally show up at the one hour mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all get a sort of a gun montage scene where they're all messed. You know. Yeah, all, all these characters that like I really grow to know in the <laughs> last fifteen minutes of the movie. Yeah, I, I'm so glad we had this little montage where really, really gave them distinct personality. They start shooting up the the hospital for some reason, like idiots. They kill everyone they see in in the in the hospital. They're just like just, fuck it. It's everyone like, dies. and I, I I I hated it actually. I think it was like a bunch of tryhard, you know, edgy lord so trash. So boring. It also doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, when did ever people notice, like, hey, an entire mental institution got killed? There was these epic scenes, dude, where he walks in on a crazy person, he shoots her in the head and says a funny one-liner, and this happens three other times. It's not even it's a funny like, one-liner. Uh... 
I don't even remember Class the one. Dismissed. I'm trying I'm trying to remember what the one liners are and, and oh, they're you know. they're nothing. And this one no, it's like so one one of the crazy person screaming help me and he's and he shoots her and she's like, You're welcome. It's like okay. Brilliant. That was okay. Awesome. Uh. Um so uh they find Heather. Heather kills someone with a frying pan, like you do. She has to beat him over and over and over again with a frying pan. Like usually, how a frying pan scene in a movie goes, like when like when one character gets a jump on another with a frying pan, they like knock him out immediately. Not here. She has to keep whacking him over and over and over again. It 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 feels like it just takes forever. Yeah. So Doctor Miller also finds her again along with Jim, uh, and Heather murders Jim. Uh, easily again no one expects it and th- and finally dr miller is is cued into what's going on yeah uh dr miller and heather try to escape uh heather proceeds to murder more people and dr miller just sort of looks in horror <laughs> this happens there's not much else for him to do yeah uh dr miller begs heather to come with him heather says i go back in there and save emma i guess that's the only interesting person she'd care about yeah, uh, Doctor Mayor. The leaves. only person in this movie worth saving, to be fair, I, I I'm okay with this decision. Mm. It's just continuous and edgy garbage where the killers are murdering all the staff. It's just I don't know. It's so try hard. It's like real. The killers are murdering all the staff. Heather murders them one by one. Uh... There's this one scene where one of the guys gets um, shoved into the wall by a, I guess a bed rack he, or whatever. He gets, he gets shoved into a hook. <laughs> he gets shoved into a hook hanging from the ceiling. No, that, which... that's that's the um, that's frying pan guy. Oh, that was frying pan guy. Oh, okay. No, a later dude. Um, he just gets pushed into the wall by a bed stand or whatever. Like when the middle oh, of the bed right. Stands, she, she just she, hangs she there. She wheels a stretcher. Like a she yeah, wheels stretcher. a stretcher into him and like knocks him out. Somehow doesn't kill. Doesn't kill him though. Um, there's actually two different scenes where Heather like knocks someone out and like has the perfect opportunity to actually kill them and then doesn't and then they get back up and start chasing her like firing. That's another thing too. There's a bunch of uh, uh, moments where she and one of the killers are running at each other shooting shooting bullets at each other and like neither of them are getting hit. Something weird else is that they have a scene where one of the killers runs into Violet again, but then they don't bother killing her and they just sort of walk off. I'm not I'm not sure why they place that there in the film in the first place. Yeah. It's supposed to show some humanity, but then they proceed to murder all the other patients. So uh, uh-huh. it, it's it's killer respect. I guess. I don't know. Uh, Heather finds Emma, who's being held hostage. Um Emma doesn't really care much because she's you know, yeah, she's just like, ah, kill me, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, she's already tried to commit suicide numerous times, so she doesn't really mind that much, which makes a really awful hostage. Uh, he shoots Emma, and Heather attacks him and tases him in his braces. The only death that had some degree of creativity put into it. All the others are just they get shot or what have you. Uh, braces one. That That's the whole reason they lay out the thing with the braces. So they could have that thing where she tases him in the braces. All the others are just really boring deaths. It's, it's, it's so lame. It's, it's like, I don't know. I don't care about any of the people on screen ever. Emma was the only one I cared about. Now she's dead. I guess, yeah, she dies. Um, Heather doesn't really give a shit at all. 
for really a moment, about. and then she's like, "Well, gotta In go." In fact, she says that she says, "I don't give a shit." Oh wait, 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 wait! No, no, no! I forgot about this moment. She, she, um. Because, okay, yeah, because so, the killer who's holding Emma as a hostage, uh, uh, Heather, it, like, you know, is, is like, okay, don't, don't shoot her, don't shoot her, and she puts down uh, her gun, and the killer goes, like, ah, uh, you, you see this thing? You, you're not a killer. You can't give a shit. Um, and he shoots uh, Emma anyway, and then uh, he and Heather get into a fight. Heather kills him, and then Heather goes, I don't give a shit. But then the very next thing she does, <laughs> she goes over to Emma's corpse Emma. yeah, yeah. and like mourns the death of Emma. It's like, well, you obviously do. So after all this happens, Emma then drives off towards the sunset or sunrise rather. Yeah, she just drives to the desert. And that's the end of the film. And that's it. Um, interesting enough, key makeup artist is the very first person on the credits list. Yeah, what the fuck was that? Uh, it's weird. All of the people, the credits, credits part one, like the opening credits, are not in the ending credits. So David Michael Latt is nowhere to be found in the ending credits, but he's 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 the last person on the uh, title credits. Maybe they thought they were being like uh, more equal with that, like be yeah. like, well, the director doesn't get double credit; everyone gets the same amount of credit. When I first saw that, I, th- I was confused, though, because I thought they were... Because I wasn't actually reading the title credits or whatever. So I, what I assumed, I thought he, he removed himself from the credits, along with the writers. No one directed this movie. No one wrote this movie. <laughs> it sure How happened. Um, did we do a good job explaining this film? I yeah I mean yeah we did fine it's it's it, it, there's not a lot to it it's um it's only seventy five minutes long but God it feels longer. Um, this film is a collection of Heather waking up and killing people and getting knocked down and waking up repeat. It's it's just that over and over and over again and the weird thing I, I will say this it is better, better than, than the killers first one. killers it is better than the first killers uh but that's the weird thing is that it's so it's laid out much more straightforwardly than the first killers which again seems kind of ironic given that it's the one set in the mental asylum mental asylum mental institutions what i meant to say a psychiatric uh, hospital but yeah it's uh it's a slog um uh, and uh the only parts about it that were interesting but, to talk about were the parts where we were connecting it to the source which is a far superior okay, movie so let's just do that with all asylum right. movies okay now. does reese do you think uh scott died did scott do, do die I... from the um uh injection oh yeah he must have maybe did oh he, unless unless reese used his powers to heal himself is that what you're thinking yeah that's what i'm thinking there oh because yeah he could totally do that but now that Emma is dead... She's not dead. Has... Hold on. She's not dead either, though. <laughs> so, hold on. Let me try and... Let me work this out. Okay. So, she mind-controlled braces person to shoot her. Uh, to fake being dead for some reason. That's why she was screaming for death. She was like, just shoot me. Just shoot me. And he did. All right. Hey, there you go. Now, I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I what I noticed was later on, Asaya made a um, Suicide Squad ripoff. Oh, called the Sinister Squad, and Ashley better be in that film. Oh, that Ashley great. or Riot. I'm it's say just right it's now. just the characters from the Source as the Suicide <laughs> Squad. No, it's just it's just Ashley because I think it's all the villains. But I don't know if the villains are Asylum villains or their own unique characters. Oh my god, an Asylum cinematic universe with the Asylum fil- villains. Hey, they have a couple of these. They have the Avengers Grimm, too, which is um, 
Grimm's oh, fairy yeah. tales. I know, I, I, oh, I yeah. know what the Avengers Grimm is. Those yeah. better, those better be the same characters from the Grimm fairy tale films they did beforehand. They probably are. Because if they're not, then that's a waste of potential. I think that's the that that that's. I mean, I think that literally is just the idea. It's just let's take monsters from Grimm fairy tales, but or heroes rather, and they're the Avengers. That's all right. That's a fine idea. I, I I've heard worse. I've heard worse. We have a long way to get to that. That's like that's like the that's in like the 150 plus area of Ugh. the films. It's gonna if be if we while. ever make it. Hey, we'll make it. Don't say that. Uh, yeah, this film's better than Killers One. Don't watch it. Which is a, yeah, it's a low bar to be better <laughs> than Killers One. It made Not sense. Not worth your time. <laughs> that's you know two out of ten stars. It made sense. Yeah, we went from one out of ten to two out of ten. We're twice as good. Yeah, I'm left somewhat disappointed actually. Because the IMD was thought this movie said this movie was better. It was. It's, technically. it's better. It's definitely better than Killers One. But um, coming off the source, uh, I mean, like that spoiled us. Absolutely. Killers One has all those weird flashback scenes or flash forward, I guess, scenes where it's events that are happening later in the film. <laughs> That are not happening. Not as many, though. Not as many. It's it's laid out a lot more straightforward. This film doesn't have that at all. Oh, sorry. I, I misunderstood. I was, talking about, I was talking about Killers 1. Yeah, yeah. You're talking Killers, Killers 2 doesn't have any of that. Instead, there's a bunch of hallucination scenes of scary JPEGs. That's what I can only call them. Yeah. Uh, uh, a scary JPEG of the movie poster, actually. Yeah. Because uh... um, that's the film. Uh, yeah, don't watch it. It's not good. It's a waste of time, actually, I think. Yeah. As you can tell, we had way more fun talking about Pixar than, than the Asylum. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the Pixar chat took longer to complete than talking about the whole hour-long film. It's fitting. So that's good. Um, next film is Jane White is Sick and Twisted, which also stars Kim Little. Ah, ha, ha. Who is the actor who plays Heather. Um, interesting enough, she's actually married to David Michael Latt, who is the basically creator of the Asylum. Yeah, he's like the the co-founder of, of the studio. So it's an interesting little connection there. Um, yeah, I just look forward to that next week. Uh, all right, eh. all right. See you, everybody. This is Pixar chat. This is this is the Pixar Cars Three Spoilcast. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> See ya.